Mayer, good morning. It's the fourth day of Chalamay. This beautiful Sunday morning, gorgeous weather. Here we are in the beautiful sukkah, rooftop sukkah in Chabad Upper East Side. And we continue. We left off 25b on the bottom, the third chapter in Bay of the last lines. Okay, look at Mishnah. A firstborn kosher animal. That today you're not allowed to slaughter it before it becomes defective because it's automatically holy it's born holy and if you slaughter it while it's perfect without any defect it's like slaughtering a sacrifice outside of the temple and you lose your life you're not allowed to do that so you have to wait you have to make first determine that it was defective then you're allowed to slaughter it so what if it fell into the pit and you're worried it's gonna die there the expert expert the mumcha the expert on mumin on defects animal defects is allowed to climb down in the bird and check the animal to see if it's defective or not because he can tell the difference between a passing defect and a permanent defect only a permanent defect enables you and allows you to slaughter the animal so he goes down to check him yes if he sees that there is a permanent defect then then he can go down and then he can live, take up the animal and slaughter it. Wait, but that was a defect. Doesn't have to be redeemed? Now, this is, this is Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda holds a muksa. So we're talking about a defect that, ha- that the defect happened yesterday. But he yeah. didn't have a chance to see it yesterday. So Rabbi Huda holds a muksa. So this is not muksa. His mind was on it because the defect happened before Yom Tif. He just didn't have a chance to bring in the expert to, to check it out, to inspect it, to see if it qualifies, if it's, if it's a permanent defect. So if he didn't have a chance, and then on Yom Tev, the, the expert is allowed to go down into, and it fell into the pit on Yom Tev. So he's allowed to go down, see the defect. And if he determines that it's a permanent defect, then he's allowed to lift up the animal from the pit and slaughter it and eat it. Bimlav and if not, there is no permanent defect, then you're not allowed to slaughter it. Okay, the mother will explain, of course, obviously. Shimon disagrees. Shimon argues that Rabbi Huda holds that if, unless it was decided, it was inspected before, before Yom Tev, only if it's inspected before Yom Tev, only then are you allowed to slaughter the animal Yom Tev. If it wasn't inspected before Yandiv, then this animal is not prepared. Although Rabbi Shimon in general is lenient, it holds that there is no muksa in general in Yandiv. But he holds that the Bechayr is different. The firstborn animal is different. Because since he had a mind, because, because, because the problem is that by, since the inspector, by his inspection, and by his determination that it's a permanent moon, he enables and allows the animal to be eaten. So it looks like as if he's fixing it. You're fixing it in Yantu. Or it's like a din. It's like, it's like, it's like you're giving a verdict. Not a lot to court. Not a lot to have the courts in session on Yantu. It's like having a court in session and rendering a verdict. It's nothing to do with muktza. It's because you're not allowed to render a verdict on Yantu. Or because you're not allowed to fix in Yantu. Because you're not, why not? Why aren't you allowed to render a verdict? Because you may come to right. 
So therefore, the fat. So it doesn't help. It doesn't help if the wise man will go. The expert will go down into the pit, even if he determines a permanent mum. I'm sorry, you're not allowed to give a verdict on yantiv. So it's only if, if it was decided already before yantiv, then, then you're allowed. Other than that, you're not allowed. Okay, that's the mission. That's the argument of Yehuda Nabashim. But the mother, the mother clarifies what is the argument in Nabi Huda Nabi Shimon. Name if you're going to want to say bedoyim mumen kamifligi whether you're allowed to whether an expert is allowed to examine an animal on yom teru the sabadayim mumen says the expert is allowed to examine the animal and make a determination. Rabbi Shimon saw but Rabbi Shimon holds ain't bedoyim mumen be yom teru you're not allowed to the expert is not allowed to even see or examine the animal on yom So if that's the case, lifligu bedoyim mumen baalma. So why why does he have to give us a scenario of an animal that fell into a pit? The animal did not fall into a pit. And it has a defect. From before Yom Tov, are you allowed to show the expert or not? Let them, let them argue about a very clear-cut case. So the mother answers, no, really, I can tell you the arguing about whether you're allowed to, the expert is even allowed to examine because it's fixing, or because it's, it's every Shimon says it's, you're fixing the animal, or because it's, you're, 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 you're rendering a sentence, you're rendering a judgment. So why doesn't he give us the scenario? Uh, why does he give us a scenario of falling into a pit? So he says, He has to give us this scenario. Because there's an additional element here. In addition to the question whether you can examine, but here there's another element, another factor. The animal's in pain. The animal is stuck in a pit. So therefore, ladim veliske kerabi yehuda. As I would think, it's like it's like it's like making a, a, a little a deceptive move. Like we learn, we're going to learn later on in the in the tractate that if the father and the son fell into a pit, now you can't slaughter a fa- uh, you can't slaughter a father and a son or a mother and a son and a child and an offspring. So I could only slaughter one of them. But how do I get both of them out of the pit? They're both suffering. So you make a little con, a little deception. You take out one in order to slaughter it, and then once you take it out, you know, I changed my mind, I'd rather take the other one. So here also, I would think, that's what Rabbi Yeshua says, and maybe here, make a little con, listen. The animal's suffering, so maybe here, you are allowed to... In other words, may say, surely I'll see a mum. Surely, it's not even a question, surely I'm going to find... A defect. I don't even have to a permanent defect. I don't even have to render a judgment. It's so self. It's so obvious. And then you you remove it from the pit even before he sees if there's a if there is a defect. Just relying on the fact that surely there'll be a defect. So Kamash Malon. Therefore, he lets us know. No, according to Rabbi Shimon, you're not allowed to. No con jobs here. No, no, no deception here. You're not allowed. So he has to go down, and he has to see, and if and if it doesn't have a permanent defect, you're not allowed to take it up. No, I'm sorry. This is according to Rabbi Yehuda. Even Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, you would think that why does the expert have to go down to the pit? Why does why the expert go down to the pit to determine if it's a permanent and only if it's a permanent defect? You say you're allowed to remove the animal. If not, not. Why? Say it's surely a permanent defect. Take it out of the pit and then examine it. 
If it has a permanent defect, then slaughter and eat it. And if not, not. But at least the animal, what you gained is the animal is out of the pit. No matter what, the animal is out of the pit. That's what he comes to teach us. No, that, that's not an option. You have to go down into the pit. And only if you find it's a, it's a permanent defect, only then you're allowed to take the animal, remove the animal from the pit. If that's the case, why does he say you're not allowed to slaughter? He should say more so. Not only aren't you allowed to slaughter, you're not allowed to even remove it from the pit. If it's not a permanent Moksha. defect, you're not allowed to remove it from the pit. Moksha. No, Muksa it isn't because because it already had a defect from yesterday and you already had your mind in it. If it was Muksa, even if it has a permanent defect, you would not be able to hold yeah. you not allowed to uh, remove it from the pit. It's not Muksa. But, but, not only aren't you allowed to slaughter it because it's a sacred animal, you're not allowed to slaughter a sacred animal unless it has a permanent defect. You're not allowed to even take it out of the pit. That's the whole point of this scenario. So the main, that should have been the main emphasis. And not only aren't you allowed to slaughter it, you're not allowed to even remove it from the pit. So the other pastor? Yeah. So your mother answers... Leitzricha, you know what we're talking it's about over here, the other of ask. He, re- he already went and he, he removed it from the pit. He didn't ask any questions. How do we know this? Because he, we said, the Mishnah first said that the expert should go down into the pit and examine. Right. It doesn't say that you should take the, remove the animal and let the expert examine. No. That's not an option. You're not allowed to. So the expert really has to climb down and examine but then, without permission, he went ahead and he removed the animal. So then he's coming to teach us if he went ahead and removed the animal without permission. And he didn't find a moon, he didn't find a defect, then you're not allowed to slaughter it. I would think they should slaughter it you're not allowed your mother asked why would I even think that you're allowed to slaughter it just because he took it out if it doesn't have a defect it's a sacred animal you're not allowed to slaughter a sacred animal outside the temple why would I even think so we're talking about now now after you removed it now it got a defect. Maybe in the process of removing it from the pit, it developed, it developed a permanent mum, a permanent defect. That's why you check when it's down below. So that's right? what he says. If he examines and the original mum, the original defect is permanent, then you'll have to slaughter it. Right. But if the original mum was not permanent, but now you have a permanent mum as a result of you illegally it removing it Take from it the bird, yeah. then you're not allowed to slaughter it. Why not? Because it's Mokta. If it didn't have a mum at all, yesterday it was perfect, it had no defect, and now it developed a defect, it's Mokta. Obviously, I'm not allowed to slaughter it. We know that with all you're not allowed. Ella, we're talking about the Nafavim Mumayim Meryamtiv. It had a mum. 
It had a defect. And therefore, my mind was on it. The owner's mind was on it. It wasn't mukta. He had a mind to bring an expert to check it out. Maybe I can slaughter it and eat from this animal. Then, instead of leaving the animal in the pit and waiting for the expert to climb down into the right. pit, he, he, brought, it up he brought it up. He wanted to help the expert on Yamta. Oh. And in the process of bringing it right. up, it developed the a permanent mum. Yeah, the expert comes and checks and says the original mum was not a permanent mum. Now, in the process of taking it out in the middle of Yom Tov, you develop the personal. That is coming to tell me I'm not allowed to eat from it. I'm not allowed to slaughter it. I would think since already he had a mind. He had a mind to eat it. He thought that maybe that the, that the defect that developed before Yom Tov maybe was permanent. So he had a mind to eat it. Even though it turns out that that mum was not permanent, but now I have a permanent mum, you can say he had a mind. Yeah. That's why he's coming to teach Rabbi Huda holds, no, that it's mukta. He had a mind for that defect. That defect turns out to be a non-permanent defect, not allowing you to eat. This is a new development, a new mum that was developed as a result of you removing the animal from the pit. That your mind wasn't on this, on this defect. Therefore, you're not allowed to slaughter it. Going to Rabbi Huda holds of mukta. Beautiful. And the rabbis learn a, a perfectly healthy firstborn kosher animal that fell into a pit. The prince says, An expert should go down into the pit. Vida should see him. He has removed. If it has a defect, then I'm allowed to remove it from the pit. Because it has a, I'm allowed to eat from it. So I'm allowed to slaughter it, whatever it takes. I'm allowed to slaughter it and cook it. Surely I'm allowed to take it out of the pit. If not, if not, you're not allowed to slaughter. If it doesn't have a permanent, uh, not but they said they know Rabbis say you're not allowed to. An expert is not allowed to see a examine a defect on Yamtiv, either because it's like fixing the animal, or because it's rendering a judgment. You're not allowed to convene a court case and render a judgment on you may come to right so any judgment is prohibited in a yamtif so how can you Debbie say you're allowed to the expert is allowed to climb down into the pit and determine judge and examine and determine it has a defect or not how is this if the defect developed before yamtif you're not allowed to Check it out, examine it on Yom Why? Because you're rendering a verdict or fixing it. If developed the defect on Yom Shimon holds that this is not that even if he went ahead and he violated the law and he went ahead and checked it. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed, it's not prepared. You're not allowed to slaughter this animal because it looks like as if he's fixing it. Wait, it falls in, time out. It falls in. Yeah, so the argument is you're not allowed to check. But what if you went ahead and checked? The rabbi said, if you went ahead and checked, then, then you are allowed to eat from it. Rabbi Manasseh is explaining Rabbi Mechoy's opinion. So he's explaining Saying, Rabbi says you're not allowed to see a moon, so he explains. Rabbi argues in Rabbi Hud, it says in the Mishnah you're not allowed to. So he clarifies. 
is if it was from before Yom Tov, then you're not allowed to examine it on Yom Tov. Initially. But if you went ahead and did check it, and you found it was a permanent, then you are allowed to slaughter it. Why? Because you're not fixing anything. Since the defect was developed before Yom Tov, so it's as if it was ready already. You just you're just here to clarify the reality that was already developed before Yom Tov. So you're not really fixing much. So therefore, it was really prepared. But if the defect developed on Yom Tov, then it's not a question of Muktzah, but it's a question of you fixing it. On Yom Tov, you're fixing, you're allowing the animal to eat, and if you're not allowed to slaughter the animal. So yeah, according to Rabbi Huda, the animal is Muktzah. You have to leave it in the pit. Now, according to Rabbi Shimon, it's not Muktzah. Question of rendering a verdict. Now, right. a rabbi is allowed to say something is kosher. If you ask a rabbi something kosher on right. Shabbos, how can he give a verdict? A rabbi is allowed to give a logical verdict because he's right. not, not the, he's just clarifying. He's not creating or determining anything. In the case of the Bukhar, it's not just the rabbi is clarifying. It's not just that the rabbi is clarifying that you're allowed to, um, that, it, that, it's, that it's a permanent mum. Unless the rabbi says so, you're not allowed to eat from it. If a person goes and slaughters before the expert takes a right, look at it, yeah, right. even if you turn out to be right, right, you're not allowed to eat from that meat. So it's the rabbi's verdict that creates right. a judgment. That type of verdict, that type of judgment, that you're not allowed to do on, on young people. Like a sovereign, like someone... Uh, right. 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 Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda agree, that if it was born defective, Let's say the animal was born in Yom yeah. and it was born defective. As soon as it came out from the mother's womb, the rabbi saw immediately that yeah. it's a defective animal. Yeah. Because it's not looking like they're fixing anything. Because it was never kosher. It's not like they had to change the status. Coming out of the mother's womb, it was already ready to be slaughtered. Okay. If it was born and it was born defective yeah, so the, then the experts allowed to examine it in Yom Tov even initially my father Tony used to learn the Braise they're only after the fact then you're allowed to slaughter but initially you're not allowed to check you're arguing with the Braise you, Rabbi, the son of Rav Huna, saying you're allowed to check it even initially. It makes sense. Rabbi Rav Huna is correct. Since we learned Tlosibavi, since we learned three different scenarios, in the beginning, the Braise says, the, the Braise that we just learned earlier, in the beginning, the Braise says, First, he says, if the defect was developed before Yom you're not allowed to examine it on Yom Initially, you're not allowed. What if you went ahead and examined it anyway? You forgot, or you, you went ahead and examined it anyway, and you determined it's a defective, a permanent defect, and you're allowed to slaughter it. Because it's not Muktzi, your mind was on it. And also, you're not fixing anything. Forget about muktzah. This is according to Rabbi Shimon. You're not fixing anything. It's already fixed. The next stanza, he says, if it was the, the defect developed on Yom Tov, Rabbi Shimon names it, 
then it's fixing. Then by you rendering, examining, and rendering a judgment and saying it's a permanently defective, that's rendering a judgment, and therefore you're not allowed to slaughter this animal. Even after the fact, even if you went ahead and examined it illegally, and you determined it's a permanent defect, you're not allowed to eat from this animal. Then he says a third case. Shavin, everyone agrees. Rabbi Shimon agrees with Rabbi Yehuda. Shimon If it's born defective, and the rabbis saw it coming out of the womb defective, that's not, they're not fixing anything. It was never prohibited. So therefore we see clearly if it's born and it's defective you're allowed to you're allowed to even initially because he can't say he means only after the fact really even if it's born defective you're not allowed to examine it but if you went and examined it then you're allowed because if that's the case he should have included it in the, in the first part in the first part of the mission should have said if it was born if it the, the, the uh, defect was developed before Yom or was born defective and then you're not allowed to examine it but if you do then it's okay since he divides it into three different stanzas so therefore it's clear Rabbi Rav Hun is correct and that's the Braisa this is the source this Braisa is the source but Rabbi Rav Hun is not arguing in the Braisa this Braisa supports his opinion Mother now brings a proof against Rabbi Baravun. That, like, like Rabbi Nachman's father, that in the case where it's born defective, only after the fact is, is it okay. Rabbi came, he brought a Mishnah, but I said that said, or developed a Mum It's not prepared, even if it was from the day before Yom. Even after the fact. And that must be according to Rabbi Shimon. So we see, according to Rabbi Shimon, there is no difference whether the, the defect was developed before Yom Tiv or developed on Yom Tiv. He holds, it's fixing it. By examining it, you're fixing it. And even after the fact, you're not allowed to. What was the so therefore, before? when he says the third stands, according to this, the third example, when, when it's born, when it's born with a defect, you can say, in that case, after the fact, it's okay. Like the father of Ramachman learned, not like Rabbi Barav learned. So it's no it proof. Born, it now it's just, so we have a difficult. Said, so then it's difficult as Braise. What basis did Rabbi Barav Huna, how could Rabbi Barav Huna argue with the Braise? Well, Kashaha. Gimara says, Ahi, Adar Baruch Mihi. That Braise that you brought was taught by the wise wise one called Adar Baruch Mishabesh Vitani. He used to forget and he used to mix up the, the braises. So maybe he got it wrong. When the braises learned that only after the fact, he got it wrong. He, he learned the braises wrong and therefore that baravuna is correct. That even that in that case, even initially I'm allowed to slaughter. 
That if it's not, if you can't distinguish the mum, the defect from before yamtiv, it's not prepared. My ain the mumminik. What do you mean? The, the the defect is not recognizable. Elam, if you're gonna say she mumminika klal, there was never a mum, never a defect. Shita, obviously, Does he have to tell us that it's prohibited? Surely Rabbi Huda says it's prohibited. It's muktzah. Even if you're allowed to see, examine, even if you would be allowed to examine defects in Yom Tif, here you have a different problem. According to Rabbi Hud, it's yeah. Muksa. So Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon has to tell Rabbi Nachman that in this case, you, I mean, uh, Rabbi Hud, that in this case, it's prohibited. Surely it's going to Rabbi Hud, it's prohibited. Ella, we have to say, the, the defect was developed before Yom Tif. But he never showed it to an expert. Whether it's a permanent defect or, or, or a temporary defect. Then he, that's what he means. It's not recognizable. It means it wasn't examined by anyone. But of course, he saw that there was a defect. He had a mind to eat it, and therefore, it's not defect. It's not a mukta. But Kitani is what, what do we learn? That means even after the fact, you're not allowed to. So we see that the correct version is like Ravoshia, that there is no distinction whether the defect was developed before Yantav or on Yantav. If it wasn't examined before Yantiv, you're not allowed to examine it on Yantiv because it's fixing it or it's because of rendering a judgment. There's no distinction. Shmami not to prove that even if it's before Yantiv, there's no difference whether it was developed before Yantiv. All that matters is did the experts have a chance to look at it and examine it before Yantiv, render a verdict before Yantiv or not? Okay. But it continues. Boy, mene Hillel mit Abba. Hillel asked Abba, Yes, Muktzelachat to Shabbos, ain't Muktzelachat to Shabbos. Is it such a concept if something is set aside for half a Shabbos? Does it become set aside for the whole Shabbos? It's prohibited. I'm not allowed to use it the whole Shabbos. Or maybe it's only, only for that part of Shabbos that it was set aside. For example, the classical example is you take figs or grapes to dry on the roof to turn into raisins or to turn into dried figs but let's say he had a mind he's going to eat it for lunch so he put it away for half a Shabbos until they become ready to eat what says Hechidamis so what are we talking about if they became dry by the twilight when Shabbos entered Shabbos began and they were already ready to eat when Shabbos started. There's no mukta. They're ready to eat. I only set it aside as long as it takes to dry, to be edible. Now that it's dry, it turned into raisins. It turned into dried figs. So when Shabbos entered, it was already edible. My intention was I should eat it the moment it's dry. If it didn't dry up till the middle of the Shabbos. So surely it's mukta, the entire Shabbos. What's your question? The mother says, "Let's You know, we're talking about it. Really, when Shabbos started, it was dried up, but then it started raining, and it blew up again, and therefore it wasn't ready to eat. Now I need another drying. I have to wait in the middle of Shabbos. The sun comes out in the morning and dries it up. By the time lunch came around, now it's ready to eat. 
That's the question. That, what's the Allah? Do we say, since when Shabbos started, it wasn't Muktzah? Although half of Shabbos it was Muktzah, but now in the middle of Shabbos, now it's dried, it's ready, it's edible, it's ready to eat. It's allowed or no? Since it was pushed off, pushed off, it's pushed off for the rest of Shabbos. There is Muktzah for half of Shabbos. In other words, once it becomes pushed off, or partial, part of Shabbos, it becomes pushed off. For the entire Shabbos. So, Ace, I'll ask you a question on Rabbah's ruling. We learn, and now, Mishnah Shabbat, we learn the Brahe Shabbat, we learn the Brahe that everyone agrees. Even Abshimon agrees that if it was born with a defect and the rabbis were there and they saw it come out with a defect, that, that, they, that they are allowed to render verdict because it was never prohibited. But my wine In the beginning, the firstborn, I was allowed to eat when Yom Tov started. I was allowed to eat it because if you slaughter the mother, so anything contained in the mother, the offspring that's in the mother's womb, also before it was born, also becomes permitted, permissible to eat through the slaughter of the mother. labor once it's born, now it's pushed off. I can't eat it. Until I slaughter it, I can't eat it. Now it becomes prohibited. Why? Because it's a, it's a sacrifice. It's a pachor. It's a holy animal. When an animal is born, I assume that it's a, it's a perfect animal uh, without any defects, a healthy animal, and it's prohibited. When you show it to the wise one, to the expert, and he says it's allowed. So you see, the moment, the moment, even though it was pushed off for partial of Shabbos, when the expert looks at it, now it becomes permitted. So you see that Rabbah is wrong. You don't say that since it's Muktzah for part of Shabbos, it remains Muktzah for the rest of Shabbos. Rabbi will tell you that the Baraisa is talking about the witnesses, the, the, the judges were sitting there. They watched the Prasa, they watched the birth. They saw the animal come out of the womb, they saw that it was defective, so they didn't have to render a judgment. Immediately it was okay. Right. The first moment it was never prohibited. Right. Others say, There is no muksa. Rabbi's ruling was, there is no muksa for half a Shabbos. Just because it was muksa half a Shabbos, it doesn't mean it remains prohibited the rest of the Shabbos. Expert came around lunchtime, looked at the animal. Oh, so that's the proof. Lema Messiah, this proves it. Right, the the, the expert came at lunchtime. In the beginning, when Yom Tov started, it was okay. Once it was born, we assume that it's a holy animal. It's perfect right. without a defect. You know, you can't touch it. Right? The expert came. So it's a proof. It's no proof. I'll tell you. I can tell you. The bride is talking about the Yasmin. They They were watching it, but. So you can't prove. You can't prove from this brayso one way or the other. So we have two versions. And the law is there is no muksa for half a shabbos. The law is there is. So in this case, it's just uh, an outside case then. Uh, so. But that's not the halakha then. That an animal was 
that that it's okay. Yeah. Now, once it becomes like in the case of the of the figs, the dried figs or the raisins, that once now it's all dried, now it's edible. I'm allowed to eat it, and that's the halacha. It's no longer muktza, and therefore the expert could come at lunchtime. You don't have to say the expert was sitting there and watched the animal being born and saw that it was immediately defective. It doesn't matter. Even if it was pushed off and it was born, and later on he comes and he, he decides and says it's okay, then it's okay. Tashma bring your proof. We learned the Braisa. He was eating grapes. So he left over. So he took the leftover grapes to the roof. To make raisins. Or he was eating betainim, figs, vahoysen, he had leftovers, vahel nagagi, brought it up to the roof, lasted men gregis, to make dried figs. Yechel men, he's not allowed to eat from them, even once they dry and they become edible. Actually, yazim, you have to prepare it from before yom. Chein atemoytzeh bafarsikin, bachabushin, bacharkomini pedis. And the same is true with, and the same is true regarding peaches, bafarsikin, chabushin, kinsi, and all other types of fruits. The same principle. That you're not allowed to eat from it unless you prepare it from before Shabbos. You have to designate it. That even though, even though you may think to yourself, he was already eating from this batch. So he already designated. He was planning to eat the whole batch. He just couldn't eat the whole thing. Couldn't finish it. So he took the leftovers up in the roof. He said, no, that's not considered designation. Eating from it is not considered designation. Now that you took it up to the roof, you have to have a specific designation that you're going to eat it on Yant. Say, hey, Chidami, what are we talking about? Eat the Chazi. If they're ready to eat, Lamele Azmana, why do you have to prepare it? They're ready to eat. I only put it aside until they dry, until they become edible. Once they become edible, I always had intention to eat from them. Eat the Chazi. If they're not edible, what does it help me that I prepared it? I designated it. It's not worthy. If you're going to know the layade, he doesn't know if it's edible or not. He didn't go, he didn't check. And that's the Allah. If you set aside the figs or the grapes to dry up, you don't know if it dried up or not. You don't have to check it out before Yamtiv. If it turns out that it, that it was ready, then I'm allowed to eat from it. So, what are we talking about? Is it ready or isn't it ready? If it's ready, then it's no problem. If it's not ready, then it doesn't help to designate it. You know, I can understand. We must be talking about the chazu that it was worthy of eating. And then it was pushed off, and then it became again worthy of eating. And then he's telling us that you're not allowed to eat from it until you're designated. If you tell me there's no muksa, why do you have to designate it? You want to say, hello, my, you want to prove from here, yes, mukta. If there is mukta, what does it help me if I designated it? But it says, let's see, you know, we're talking about it here. It's worthy to eat, and it's not worthy to eat. In other words, some people would eat it, some people consider it ready to eat, edible. Some people say, no, it's not, it's not finished enough. Right. So, Azman, if he designates it, he reveals that he's from that group of people that considers it done. And therefore, you're allowed to eat from it because it's no longer mukta. Even though it was mukta, but now, in the middle of Yantif, it became edible for him, for his group, therefore it's okay. If he didn't designate it, he didn't reveal his da'asam ravzeda, toshma. Okay. So therefore.
Ja. So the Gemara says Tashma bring another proof. We pull them We learn that uh, lentils, beans, and lentils that we cook on Yamtiv. The pull them may cut in the beginning of Yamtiv. Chazulakus, I can eat it raw. Chadinu bigdeira when I throw it into the pot, itchalu. Now I can't eat it anymore because they're they're boiling and they're not cooked. I can't eat it raw and I, it's not cooked yet. Gomer bichulayu when they're done cooking, we continue on twenty-seven day. When they're done cooking, chazulu. Now they're worthy. So you see that even though a muktzah from a half a Shabbos is not muktzah for the rest of Shab of Yom. According to you, any pot. How can you cook any pot? The average pot that you leave, they put on the fire when Yamtiv starts. They're cooking, they're boiling, they're bubbling. And how can you eat it at night? They were not worthy of eating, they were pushed off. In other words, it's a question of muktzah. When Yamtiv entered, it was muktzah. When Yamtiv entered, it was not edible, it was boiling. It wasn't finished cooking and it was bubbling hot. I can't eat it raw and I can't, I can't eat it. It's not cooked yet. So I shouldn't be allowed to eat it in any pot, any cooked dish. If, if a person boils, it's not a question. And surely there's no such thing as muktzah for a half a shah, half a yamtah. It was never a question. Why? Because it's in your hands. You made the problem, you created the problem, you could undo the problem, you could pour cold water on it, and it's no longer b- boiling, and I can eat it. The question is, through the sun, it's Hashem's hands. So you can't fix it, you can't hasten it, you can't fast-forward it, facilitate it, it's not in my hands. So if it's pushed off, it's pushed off, my mind is off it. I don't know when it's going to be ready. It's out of my control. Anything that you can control... It's not a muktza. It's not, never a question. The question was something you can control. If muktza for partial Shabbos is muktza for the rest of Shabbos, and the law is that it's not muktza for the rest of Shabbos. Everyone have a wonderful, good morning.